Welcome to episode 176 of Three Sheets to the Mouse. We're the podcast that likes to focus on the adult side of Disney. From the movies, to the parks, to dining, we'll cover everything Disney has to offer, including their drinks. I'm Mikey, and tonight I'm joined by two guys that had their own sheet up this weekend. Adam. Hello, everybody. And the uh, master of ceremonies, the honoree of this weekend's festivities that I couldn't make. I'm sorry, guys. I had other plans. Tim? It was my birthday. Happy <laughs> birthday, Pop Pop. We, we hope it was uh, an, an excellent advent. It was. Did I say advent? Uh, it was a you? calendar? Yes. Well, technically, it is a calendar. It was a it is. calendar We're, year older. I hope you had chocolates. Did not. We had chocolate brownies. I, I, I'm going to say whoever engineered that deck you've got on the back side of your house, that sucker stood up to some uh, shenanigans. That's actually on the front side of our house. Yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> I don't know front from back. I'm like well, Fred in his underwear. Well, deck on the back side of your house, but... I believe that's called a porch, then. No, it's a... Uh, well, the side no, is the, our porch. It wraps around. It's actually the side of our house because our front door is on the side. It's weird. It's really hard. Yeah, I can't. I can't move to Pennsylvania because you guys don't build houses right. No, we're a little backwards here. Must be an Amish thing. Could be. We're a, hmm. we're a Poconosian. 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 I don't think that's a word. It is it now. It is now. <laughs> All right. Call call Merriam-Webster. That was a bug, sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Would, wouldn't be a recorder not if I wasn't swatting shit off my neck here in the quote uh, studio. It's not. <laughs> yeah, it I'm going to start spraying down with some DEET before I do this now and start <laughs> hanging some citronella here in the little room. That, mm. That'll that be a bad deal. All right, then. Well, uh, go ahead. Grab yourself a 40 and pour one out for our homeboy, Grant Imahara, tonight, and we're going to oh, talk yeah, Disney that together. that sucks. Yeah. That does suck, man. Originally, when I had the intro written all of, like, you know, four hours ago, I was going to reference uh, Josephine Stronghold. Kelly Preston played Mrs. Oh. Stronghold oh, in okay. Sky High. She was Jetstream. But, but that... 
That apparently that's old news because that was Sunday and 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 uh, just one of uh, one of the most amazing people to be on what you might call reality television. Granin Mahara from uh, MythBusters fame. Oh, he and also, also he worked with ILM. Yep. He was the puppeteer for R two D two in the prequels. Yep. Um, he worked for THX. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, sound engineer. He and, and just robotics master and genius all the way around. Just. It's a shame. I mean, she's been sick for a long time, though. I want to say he right, died right. just like a brain yeah. aneurysm. So yeah, yeah, aneurysms—they don't—they don't sneak. Well, I mean, they—they they don't creep. They no, just—they're just boom. Happen. Yeah. yeah. And they were. I read an article not too long ago too that um, him, Tori, and Carrie, Carrie, were rebooting MythBusters without the other guys, without Adam and. Which, to be honest, in the beginning, they were the faces of MythBusters. But 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 as it went on, they brought in their interns right. and their their affiliate. They they were more you know we're gonna show them a little bit. They were like the Ty Pennington, you know, yeah. of like Extreme Home Makeovers. Here they are, but you know, Tori, Carrie, and and uh, Grant um, did a lot of the work, and then they brought in those guys to blow shit up in a quarry or shoot missiles. Or shoot rocket yes. rocket cars. God, I love the rocket car episodes, man. Just strap a Hyundai to that and send her. Full <laughs> send. Yep. Oh, wait, let's let's see that. how we can destroy it. It was my favorite part of that show all the time. <laughs> what, what was the, the name of the crash test dummy? Oh, God. If yesterday, I probably could have told you that, but today, I don't remember uh, it. It's on the my tongue, and I don't remember it. Something it was the same silly. name. I think they kept putting numbers at the end of it. Yes. Because they kept on, um, when they actually destroyed them. Yep. Oh, now I'm going to have to look it up. So, uh, Grant, on behalf of my kids, because they loved it, and, I mean, anyone growing up in Buster. the late 90s. Buster, yes. Uh, we, we, we're not going to pour it out because that'd be a waste, but I am having a drink in your honor. Oh, I mean, and, and Kelly's, so you guys are both in your honors. I'm having some. Uh, I'm having some Johnny Walker Blue. What do you got, Tim? I've got some E.H. Taylor Small Batch. Ooh, it was a, sounds like a birthday gift. It was a birthday gift. Well, from, uh, see, Yeti, that's and his wife. That's deductive, deductive reasoning. Okay, the Ye- the okay Yeti is uh, Chris Collar. Chris, yeah. yeah, yeah. He apparently he left uh, his good booze at your house because he had just a mason jar of ice when he got home I, we, I told him take it because we don't drink Captain Spice rum so I know someone it. that does I'll drink it if it's here I'll drink it because hey, everyone's in a walk and drink I've got that will a, definitely I've, make uh, a somebody walk brought drink. me a whole bottle of Captain Silver remember birthday I'll drink that with some Dr. Pepper so really most anything is a walk and drink as long as you put a splash of anything else in it and if it's in a styrofoam cup, it. yeah, 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 you gotta absconde vocatum. Make it I look think like that's coffee. Even right, that mm-hmm. might be right. Uh, Tim, what if? Oh no, Tim, you just talked. Sorry, Tim, don't talk again. Adam, until I call on you. Adam, what have you got? <laughs> well, Jesus, <laughs> that <laughs> that was was a hot mess. I, <laughs> I know. Well, I, I pre-gamed. Um, Fair enough. With some, uh, yay. So I got some Hopkins Farm Brewery from Maryland, and I got what is called a rooster call. 
That looks like a crowler. It is a crowler. And that it is, is dark. Yes, I love dark beer, so I am a set prefer dark beer. So this is a breakfast stout. Um, it's a chocolate malt, roasted barley, and it's brewed with rolled oats and lactose. And it's really fucking good. Rolled oats and lactose. That's okay. A little dairy breakfast. in there. Yeah, it is breakfast. Mm-hmm. Oats, oats beer. milk, honey, butter. No butter. No, no, oh. because I found out people put butter in their coffee, and I got grossed out by that this weekend. So. I tried that one time. That is sick. It was like there was a whole list of things they were it putting just, in there, and I'm like, it, why? It sounded like when I was reading, I was like, that sounds like it might be okay because butter has that nice rounded uh, flavor to it. It's like, okay, I try. No, just don't do it. Just don't do it. Get a butter cookie. Damn, that's the that's actually the fastest we've gone through water you drinking because I didn't have a a mile long cocktail to read to you because. Uh-huh. Technically, I did. I had the R2-D2, but it, it just looked complicated, and I didn't want anyone to try to make it. And it didn't sound good. It was blue curacao and freaking coconut milk, mm. and I think, like, and coconut rum. That doesn't sound that awful. It just, it's complicated because the presentation is you put the curacao in first, and then you float the rest on top of it so you have a blue and a white for R2-D2. That's really And then it says... Mix it up when you serve it. I'm like, bullshit. Well, why would you float it if you're going to mix it when you serve it? Exactly. The whole point of a layered drink is to serve it layered. Yes. I don't don't make the rules. I don't make the recipes. I just read them. I didn't mean to read it. Shan, make it. Nah, don't make it, Valdo. If you have to mix it. Don't make it. Well, you don't have to. Shit, you can. No one makes the rule. You can drink it the way you want to. If you just want to get a coffee stirrer and suck the top off of it, then suck the bottom off of it, go for it. That sounds like a different show. Sounds like something Joy Butterfuco would be into, to be honest. With you. <laughs> <laughs> Only 90s kids will get yeah. that. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Long Island Lolita. There's the, uh, the Lifetime movie. Yes. Listen, I remember when it was going down, watching Comedy Central, they had this stupid commercial with this jingle that went, Butafuku, 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 And that's the only reason I know how that's butafuku, so. I have no good way to segue from that. <laughs> I don't think there is. I don't think you can butafuku your way out of any corner. Because first, first off, that guy was just that's that's a that's a bad last name to have in general. Yeah. Well, so was Bobbit. <laughs> okay. Uh, tonight we are going to continue on in our efforts to shine light on some of Disney's Imagineers. Now, back on episode 164, we discussed at length. Uh, wait, what wait. Ma- did you just quote an episode number correctly? I did. I did research and in you my didn't show notes. Even have to include the robot voice? I'm disappointed. No. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> right? Me too, Adam. Crying emoji. Uh, remember, though, this is the early part of me doing research. So as things toward the end of my notes, things just get a little more half-assery. Okay. So this okay. is this is. Oh, I mean, we that was research this episode number. <laughs> that was 110%. Now we're going to rein things in. <laughs> we just go from 110 to about 20. 
<laughs> Dad is being generous. Figure it out. <laughs> but uh, back on uh, 164, you know, we we did discuss at length what makes someone within the world of Disney an Imagineer, and this was met with between the three of us uh, some some dip. Well, I guess with me some some differing points of view. And that I was under the... To me, the Imagineer was the guy, you know, twisting the bolts and making the thing. Oh, this argument again. <laughs> yeah, no, it's not an argument because I, I, I admit, by the end of that episode, I, I, I admit I was schooled that being an Imagineer is more than just thinking about something cool and finding out how to make the something cool. Um, it also includes the guy working next door that was uh, thinking about the the beginning stages and doing you know the the artwork and the overall visual feeling and the tone of that something cool. So I, I admit I am guilty of 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 this you know of thinking when I think of an Imagineer that I always think of of the guy or you know the. I keep saying guy. I am being very chauvinistic. You are. It is the. Uh, the Imagineer that, you know, um, comes up with the animatronic elephants on Jungle Cruise or builds Soren out of an erector set because, you know, that is the flashy and glamorous concept of what an Imagineer is. But, you know, we, we, we tend to forget about the attractions uh, or we forget that, the, that these attractions would just be servos and actuators without style. Well, it's also the Imagineer who comes up with the original idea. And it's handed to another Imagineer to make it work. Right, yeah, you've got you've got one one person says, Hey, try this. And if hey try this is passed, then it goes to this guy who says, Fuck me, I gotta try this. How the fuck am I gonna do this? <laughs> and but but there is a whole in-between area that we, we tend to gloss over, and that is, you know, the 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 concept art and and just you know wardrobe cost because I forget that Pirates of the Caribbean, the pirates wearing clothes. I'm more impressed with they move. I forget that you know there's ruffles. Uh, so this week, Adam, Tim, and myself, we're keeping things very stylish and uh, we're going to look at a trio of, of Walt's leading ladies. Not that I'm insinuating there was anything extramarital going on. It's just a clever segue to move into the fact that, that all of our Imagineers this week are women within the Disney, uh, the early years of, uh, of Disney. The, the, I mean, you can't even call it the Renaissance because it didn't like it come back to anything. It's the, the, the pion Imagia pioneering. Is that a thing? What? Imagine they were like the one of the first groups out there. They're the, yeah, there were some of the originals. The, the pioneers of Imagineering. Imagine right. pioneering. No, because they weren't Imagineers then yet. I, they got there. <laughs> Probably. They were part of WED. Somewhere. No, that's what they were. Oh. <laughs> well, at any rate, we have three women that we want to tell you all about who wants to talk first are we going to paper rock scissors for this shit guys <laughs> rock paper scissors lizard spock <laughs> bears beats battlestar galactica that's the office it's not even that 
funny anymore. Okay, I will. I will go. Well, you just, should probably just go to... in the middle of Tim and I are shorter. Okay, then I will be Lucky Pierre. Okay, so I'll take. I'll go first. Then I'll get it done. Dibsies. All right. I forget who you have. Alice Davis. Ah, oh, yes, the one and only. Yes. Well, Alice was born Alice Estes in Escalon, California in 1929. And she's actually considered the original designing woman. Isn't that fun to say? But she wasn't on the show. I don't know no, why she wasn't no, on the I show. No, no. I was going to say, I'm, I'm remembering, and there's Delta Burke. Dixie Carter. <laughs> Dixie Carter. Annie Potts. Annie Potts and... Uh, the tall one. The one that played Charlene. Charlene. The one who played Charlene. The blonde. The blonde yes. was, was the one. Yeah. <laughs> Misak Taylor. Yeah, yeah, Misak Taylor. I, 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 a little I, old I, I lady. Couldn't... What was her name? Man, the little lady. Me. You know who I'm I know talking about. about. I don't. Oh, People are yelling at the fucking thing. Yeah. No, they're not. Yes, I they promise are. you, ain't a damn one of them yelling at shit right now. I guarantee you people watch this show. <laughs> I, <coughs> people I know Meshach Taylor. I, you know who's yelling at us right now? Shan is yelling at us right uh-huh. now. And, and with James. Yes. <laughs> James is, is yelling Bernice. her name at the top of his lungs. Bernice, yes. That was her name, Bernice. I remember Meshach Taylor from his role in Mannequin. Uh, Mannequin, Mannequin yes. God, yep. with the, the sunglasses. And, and wasn't oh that a Buena Vista movie? Or? I think it was, actually. I, oh, God, was I hope it was. Because I routinely tell people they should check that out. It was Weekend at Bernie's before Weekend at Bernie's was Weekend at Bernie's. Well, mostly because, I mean, she, she couldn't walk when people were looking at oh, her. Oh, well, it is it is Disney now. It was 20th Century Fox. There you go. Oh, there you go. <laughs> so Even the sequel. Now. I assume the sequel. Yeah. Which, fun fact, the bad guy from the sequel, the same actor who played Bernie Lomax in Weekend at Bernie's. Oh, Jesus. All right. So, <laughs> sorry. Yeah, this is that one. <laughs> way, Tell me way about out. Alice. All right. So, in high school, she actually received a scholarship from the Long Beach Art Association Association to study at the Chenard Art Institute. And you find this this is a thread with every art artistic Imagineer that they ended up going to this institute at one point or another. But there was a little bit twist in this because Alice actually wanted to study art animation. And due to the timing, because this is also when World War II was ending and the GI Bill, there was actually a two-year waiting list to enter for animation. So the Chouinard himself, herself got her into the school in the only opening that they actually had available for that upcoming semester, and that was in costume design. And, of course, she met her future husband, Mark Davis, there, who served as an instructor, an instructor, I can't talk today, who served as an instructor over at the Institute for more than 17 years. Was he an instructor when she met him? Yes. They actually met. They didn't date, and they weren't married back then, but... There's a theme. Yes. But it gets a little bit better because Alice was a little bit of a risky girl because... I like her. Yeah, you're going to because she actually got her (laughs) career start designing women's lingerie for Beverly Vogue and lingerie in Los Angeles. Um, She was actually very well known because the skill that she had, she went all the way up to head designer. She designed two lines of fashion lingerie all on her own and earned a reputation within the fashion community for her pattern making 
and her exp expertise with different types of exotic fabrics. Is she the one responsible for them, like, party cone hat pointy brassiers? I thought that was Madonna. <laughs> the Madonna? The Madonna bra? No, she just made, she just made it in vogue. Wah, wah, <laughs> oh, come wah. on, though. Come on, that was a <laughs> that perfect was a good one. Put, put the ball on the tee and that swing was, the yeah. bat. I don't know why you're saying all this stuff. She was just trying to express herself. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's actually the first video. Uh, she was just expressing herself. Yes. It's not often you get to make a, a Madonna joke because lately she is her own She joke. is her own walking joke. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, so one day while she was working in the lingerie shop, I assume, she received a call from Mark, and he needed a costume design created for Helen Stanley. Now, Helen Stanley, for those who don't know, was the actress that they used for, sleeping, for Sleeping Beauty. When they were penciling Sleeping Beauty, this is the person that they used, and basically they needed a dress to watch how it flowed. So... Mark tapped her, and this job led to yeah, her designing he costumes. What? <laughs> yeah, he did. Oh, yeah, you dirty son of a oh, bitch. shit. <laughs> Sorry, I had to. I'm done. I'm not talking anymore. <laughs> Anyway, sure. so that job actually led Alice to design costumes for Disney's live-action motion picture, Toby Tyler. I have no idea what this movie is. I don't either, and it's, an, it's a super old one, so it's got to yeah. be like one of the first live-action films they put out. So I did some research, and during my research, there was a small story about when she actually first met Walt. And Mark was already working for Disney, and they brought a house back in 1957. And they actually just went out to dinner to Tam O'Shatner's. So while they were there, Walt Disney just puts his hand on Mark's shoulder and says, Hey, Mark, is this your new wife? So Alice almost pretty much just drops at that point. She's shocked. So... He pulled up a chair and actually joined them while they were having their cocktails. He, they got into a conversation about what Alice actually does. And he was fascinated by elastic. He wants to know all about elastic fabrics and stuff. And they sat and chatted for at least a half an hour. Eventually he said, well, he better get going. He started to walk away and then turned and said, you know, you're going to work for me someday. He said goodbye and left. And she's left thinking, oh, yeah, sure, that's ever going to happen. Sure enough, years later, she, she got a call from Walt's secretary who said, Alice, Walt wants to know if you'd like to do costumes for Small World. So in 1963, Walt Disney actually recruited Alice to contribute her skill to the attraction It's a Small World for the 1964 through 65 World's Fair, collaborating with art designer and Disney legend Mary Blair. Alice researched, designed, and supervised the creation of more than 150 highly detailed costumes for the audio-animatronic audio children of the world. Her other work for the fair include periodic specific costumes for General Electric's Carousel of Progress. 
Um, during this time, also Alice also formulated costuming procedures, set up a manufacturing base, and developed quality control refurbishing refurbishing techniques, which extended fuck, which established standards for three dimensional characters in the rides and shows created by Walt Disney WDI. Now, 1965, and this is a direct quote from her. I went from sweet little children to dirty old men overnight. Because uh-huh. <laughs> she actually translated the pirate's attire from Mark's original drawings to Pirates of the Caribbean. Alice actually created 47 different costumes, each one period specific to the 17th and 18th centuries, but still had a little bit of a Disney flair to them. She also designed costumes for the Mission Control animated automated animatronic figures in the revamped Flight to the Moon. Alice eventually retired from WED in 1978, but still consults on various projects for the Walt Disney Company. She actually had a role in Pixar's Up, and I didn't know this at all. But in order for the writers of Up to solve a central question of the film, what are the most important things in life... The Up filmmaking team actually turned to their oldest acquaintances and relatives, mining their memories for stories, and that's kind of how they came up with a lot of the themes for Up. Um, She married in June 1965 to Mark, and they enjoyed a Disney fantasy fairy tale romance for 44 years until Mark's death in 2000. So some awards and honors that she's received. In 1997, she received the Disneyana Fan Club Disney Legend Award. In 2004... At the Walt Disney Studios in Burbank, California, she was inducted as a Disney legend. On May 10th, 2012, she was honored with a window on Main Street, USA at Disneyland, right next to her husband's window. And in 2014, she was the recipient of the June Foray Award in recognition of a significant and benevolent or charitable impact on the art and industry of animation. Wow. I'd just like to point out the fact I did not research awards for my Imagineer. Adam, good job. <laughs> I told you. There's 110% up front, and shit went downhill it's like, fast. It's like a reverse mullet. She has some yes. amazing stories that really don't delve into her history. That I mean, I can bring up some of her other things that she's quoted as saying. Um, the environment in the studios during those days is basically what everybody says is that nobody had there were no class distinctions everybody had a job to do and nobody really had titles everybody went by first names and they all worked on the same thing putting on the best show possible everybody would actually show up to work before they were supposed to be there and stay as long until the project was done and Walt was always there saying that's looking good or that's a good idea but it doesn't work as well as we thought it would and what if we switched it up just a little bit and then how long, he'd also say how long did he think it'll have that ready and if you said next Tuesday he would say fine I'll be back here at 1 o'clock Tuesday and never wrote it down but sure enough 1 o'clock that following Tuesday he would show up there and be there just to check on your progress which is kind of the amazing things like in management and being a manager and just having that kind of memory and attention to people you don't get that anymore no you really don't there's too many people underneath you and 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 managers aren't hands-on like like that and i i I feel like having walt disney tell you i like it but it's not what 
I was thinking of is probably like the best compliment someone could give me. Even though what he's saying is, it's garbage, do it this way. Well, it, it never came off that way from what I'm reading. Right, no, no, no. He, I mean, I think he genuinely um, appreciated the effort being put out by all of his employees. So 100%. he wasn't. Yeah, he, he didn't want to tell them anything to make them think like they wasted their time. He wanted them to know that their time is still valuable. And even though this idea or concept or this particular piece of artwork doesn't mesh with what he had in mind, uh, that it's not wait because nothing in Disney is wasted. <laughs> well, it was always, let's tweak it. Let's fix it. I like yeah. this idea of let's not throw it out altogether. Let's try to find a common ground. Yep. And that's, I think a lot of that is missed now too. Oh gosh, yes. Yeah, because there are so many people are it's my way or the highway. And he wanted to build the, the, the roadway together. You know, to, to, to everybody gets to the end res, end point at the same time, the final destination, mm -hmm. which is not the right movie to be quoting. But you know what I'm, what I'm saying there. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> Devin Sawa, where have you gone? Oh God. Um, you know, she. I. I. I'll, listen, I mentioned that without costumes, it's just it, it's servos and it's actuators, and I forget all of that. Like I'm. Because me, as, as a tech, a geeky kind of guy, I, I want to know how everything is working in there. So to see the skeleton, basically, and see how everything is driving everything else in the wires and all that, that fascinates me. So I totally forget that every animatronic in Disney Parks Global somebody had to create the costume for that they didn't just go and grab some levi's off the rack okay like I mean, that's they might all... have in some cases well well most of it has to be able to be taken off easily so they can get right. to the different parts of the animatronic so it has to be custom designed and custom built if, if the animatronic if if the attraction if the experience is a period set piece you know, for spaceship earth for instance that is a lot of costuming right there. Oh, 100%. Oh, yeah. I don't know when you're not going to work down at Walmart and get a toga. You're but not. You see, without... Bed sheets. But I just have a question. Without the full outfits, you would never see this kind of robotics. You would never see this kind of audio animatronic. You wouldn't even... Chances are the, the, the imagery that goes along with it kind of makes you wonder how it works. Yeah, well, because it's if like... It was, because if you pretty much put a, a hanger, a clothes hanger on this thing and you just literally draped the clothing over it and it wasn't filled out right, you wouldn't care enough because it's not done to that level like a level of expertise. You're right. And because the clothes are what's going to go on last for these animatronics, it's a lot like when you're building a house, you want to you wanna have a good finishing guy, you know, mm -hmm. that comes in and hangs your trim and stuff because he hides a lot of the shit you don't want to see. And that's what these uh, designers like Alice are doing because, yeah, they may have been able to get this animatronic to work right, but it just doesn't look quite right. So, well, we can we can add something here. We can move the clock, put a seam here, and I can build some stuff around. And, and you know, it, it, it's... Until we started talking, literally this evening, I had a smaller, uh, an appreciation, but a smaller appreciation. But now as I'm thinking through this, Adam, I'm having a greater appreciation for uh, what 
Imagineers like Alice Davis have done for us mm -hmm. because a lot of the newer attractions everything's on a screen so really I mean yeah someone had to dress the person on well, the screen but it's not I mean when you look at well, what attraction are we talking about here because when you look at the relatively recent one of Avatar well but there's no oh, the, the, the shaman is wearing like some beads and a skirt and, and stuff like that but I mean like you're your your human person wearing clothing is the guy on the screen making you wave your arms to get the bugs off of you. And the attractions in Galaxy's Edge. I've I've only I okay. Then I can't. I'm not allowed to discuss some things. But there's a really good animatronic in that. Yes, and uh, that, fully dressed. And, and and there more than one time. Yeah. So there's yes. a lot going on in that. But what I think back to like dinosaur is on screen, mission space is on screen. Yeah, dinosaur like the the guy you're talking to, you know. I mean, the, well, the only wardrobe not, in there not, is is they're screen. They're not the focus of the attraction though either. No, I'm just I'm just I'm well, just little saying. Is part I, costume I, design part? I mean, I when mean, you think about uh, it, not really. Do we want to go down this cloaca? All right. Yeah. No, not really. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're, but there are also attractions being built in other parks. True, so, um, and that's not to frozen. say that cast cast members on those attractions don't have to also be attired and I, and, and I get that Frozen is probably the, the the most recent use of someone who had to costume an animatronic to what I think of as an actual costume okay um, now, you and, see, and, and but yes. you haven't seen Star Wars yet so you can't say that I haven't only only on the YouTubes yeah you cannot say that if you've seen that animatronic when you see that animatronic it's like not gonna lie, it took me a minute to say, is that an actor or is that an animatronic? It's that fluid and that well done. Tim, earmuffs. Nope. Stop talking. Move on. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, moving on then. After Alice Estes Davis, um, who, without her, we would have naked pirates, and we don't want that. We're gonna move on to my uh, Imagineerette. Is that a thing? Or are we just gonna just they're just imagineers? Nope. It's not a thing, okay. <clears throat> I am uh, gonna tell you folks a little bit about Mary Blair. So imagine this, McAllister, Oklahoma. You guys don't have a frame of reference for that. Is that tor Tornado Alley? It's Twister more movie the Twister. Gutter. It, it's a little more south. It's more the gutter, okay? It's. You you basically you're you're born into a nowhere town in an agricultural state, and I'm not selling agricultural state. I'm just saying this is 1911. Wow. There's nothing. There is absolutely nothing there. So if you've got smart parents, you get the hell out of there so your family can concede. Concede? Well, that'd be staying. Succeed. Sorry. If you've got average parents. You get the hell out of there and go to Texas. So Mary's parents, um, young Mary Brown Robinson's parents, did just that. They left McAllister, Oklahoma, when she was but a a, a babe in the woods and there's plains, a babe in the plains, 
and they went to Texas, uh, where she stayed for seven years before they relocated to California, and she actually uh, flourished as a gifted young artist with a passion for colorful expression. She went on to attend, after graduating high school, she went on to attend San Jose College. And after graduating there, she won a scholarship to... Chenard. Surprise, surprise. surprise. School of Art in Los Angeles. Uh, Los Angeles. Rather, Sean Connery, I mean. Uh, and then she, she enrolled there in 1934. Now, as Adam had mentioned, Alice Davis went there. Exitensio went there. And many other Disney Imagineers went there in the 30s. I mean, if not for Chenard, I don't know where Disney would have found his talent because he just kind of... And it's not like he grabbed them right from there. No. But, every, but they, they all went through that pipeline. I mean, um, I believe Alice was there earlier. Exitensio was there later. And uh, Mary, you know, rolls through there in the mid to late 30s. I mean, but he also had a very close connection with the school, I want to say, as well. Yeah. So, well, I mean, with, I mean with, yeah. There was that. I mean, you have to look at it that way. And after, I, I want to say they actually taught classes there. A lot of the, I think a lot of the artists that, that or a lot of the instructors at Chenard were kind of in cahoots with Disney animation and stuff because they, they always recommended their students to go. And maybe that's because it looked good on their resume that they have these many students that went on to this uh, animation studio um, oh, because sure. they always recommended their kids, yeah, apply for Disney. Disney's always hiring apply for Disney. Uh, but when she graduated, she didn't apply for Disney. Um, did she work in lingerie? She did not. Damn. She did not. She actually uh, got hired on with uh, MGM in their animation department. And it was around this time that she met another artist in the area named Lee Blair. And his brother's name is Preston and was already a name that uh, was in the animation industry and at the time. So Lee and Mary would, uh, would soon be uh, married and they would continue working closely with each other as Lee and Mary Blair both sought on to work in Ub Iwerks' studio. And then finally in 1940, Mary left Iwerks and with some reluctance and uh, coercion, talking to and prodding from her husband, she followed him, or followed his lead rather, and moved over to Walt Disney Animation Studios where she was uh, working on art for Dumbo, an early version of Lady and the Tramp, and kind of a sequel to Fantasia, which her work wouldn't be released until the late 90s, or, or until the 1990s. I'm which, assuming it's Fantasia 2000. Well, I would assume. Do you know which sequence it was? The Baby Ballet? Ballet Baby? Baby Ballet? <laughs> Ba ballet. The only ballet I know is the hippo ballet. No, it's... this is. I don't know. The only one I know is the the nut, the creepy nutcracker one. No, it was ballet. I do know it. I didn't write it down. Actually, I didn't think I'd get asked it, but uh, we're gonna. Oh, I was just curious. I'm sorry. You know. Oh have no, to... I think I'm right with the baby ballet. I just, I'm, I'm just sure it got 
renamed it. So. Yeah. Baby Ballet. Well, now, which sequence, what, what was it animated to? I don't know. Like what uh, classical music piece? Yeah, I was just curious. I wonder if it made it a waltz. <laughs> Ass hat. <laughs> I don't know. I, I honestly, I didn't see any of that in any of my research, and I didn't okay. dig deeper into I just, that. I just looked it up and found the artwork for it, and it's very, definitely very Mary Blair. Yeah. Oh, she has a specific style, which I love. God, I would love to have some something on my wall from her. Oh, man. Now, uh, moving on. Yeah, Dumbo. Yeah, nice, nice. Okay. Okay, so after this, now pay attention, because right about now, the plot and the timeline for Mary Blair gets a little weird. So, 1941, after working for Disney for uh, like a year, she decides... Disney's not where she wants to be, and she leaves the studio to do her own stuff. But because of her husband Lee's relationship relationship with Walt, because he's still working there, uh, she was able to accompany Walt and Lillian, along with her husband, on a trip to South America for research as part of Franklin Roosevelt's good neighbor policy. Oh, cool. Now, being an artist, of course, she was drawing and painting what she saw in the different areas of South America, and she was doing it in her own style. And Walt got a chance to look at some of her artwork and decided on the spot she needed to come back to work for him, and he made he appointed her as an art supervisor for Saludos Amigos and the Three Caballeros, based on her watercolors that she painted in South America. She would end up staying on at Disney and receive art supervisor credits for a number of different films, uh, one of which was Song of the South. But the majority of her credits uh, came as a color stylist during the 50s when Disney animation was churning out film after film after film one a year. She was a uh, color and art stylist for Cinderella, Alice in Wonderland, Peter Pan, Dozens of short animated films. I mean, she just was was just doing her thing there. Until she decided in 1953, with the completion of Peter Pan, that Disney isn't where she wants to be, and she leaves the studio. (laughs) Again. She resigned from working at Disney, uh, grabbed her paint set, her ink, her pencils, and she set out as a freelance designer and animator. Uh, She actually managed to land some pretty high-end ad campaigns for Nabisco, uh, Pepsodent, Maxwell House, and several others. Uh, She even illustrated several uh, little golden books and designed and styled the Easter and Christmas sets for uh, Radio City Music Hall in New York City. So... This is, I mean, that's a pretty big gig, you know, regarding what she was able to do when she left, you know, Disney post Peter Pan. And there's there's a pretty big gap as far as what I was able to find research-wise and what she did. Because I really think most everybody cares about with her is she did Disney. You know, we talked about the other stuff she did when she left after Peter Pan. So uh, I did some research and I found, looking up her husband, Lee, uh, remember, 
him? Well, he went off with the Navy during World War II. And while he was off serving, he continued to draw and paint and sketch and actually for a little time was producing animated training films for the government. So fast forward post Peter Pan, Mary's doing her own thing again for Radio City Music Hall. She's up in New York City living with Lee. They start a, uh, a couple different businesses. They start Film Graphics Incorporated and TV Graphics Incorporated. Both companies were producing animated films at the time. Some of those films were used for training and education. Others were used as TV commercials. And they had clients that included General Motors, American Iron Steel, the U.S. Navy, the Army Signal Corps, Walt Disney Educational Films, Lockheed Missiles, and Space Company. Just to name a handful. <laughs> I think my favorite is Space Company. It is. It is. I, it's Space Co. I don't know, man. Maybe maybe they built something for... I don't know. Maybe they were trying to get people to buy rockets. I'm not sure. But in the gap with her Disney history, I can... Excuse me. Hello. I can only Hello. assume that was when she was working with her husband. And I, I tried to find some of these animations and I, I just I couldn't because they're probably like title sequences and stuff like that they probably weren't you know 15 20 minutes long they're probably just like intros and outros and stuff like that but you know if you can if you know the tech if you know how things are are done and you're detail oriented you can I also like the fact that they they still did stuff for Disney while they were up there even though they weren't working for Disney uh, does she have kids uh, just out of curiosity because I mean she might have just stayed home to take care of the children's. You would you would think I looked that up. Okay, fair enough. Actually, nowhere ever in anything did it mention children. And between okay. the Pedias and the other fandom sites. No, I was just curious because you you gotta wonder that, you know, if it is world if it's around World War II time, she might have been home. I could probably look that up and find out. She also did just regular painting. She just yeah, was a very, just a regular artist too. Well, since uh, old habits die hard, <laughs> Disney calls her back. No, she goes back to work for Disney <laughs> per the request of Walt himself because he wanted her visual styling for an exhibit he was creating that was going to be at the 1964 New York World's Fair. It was sponsored by PepsiCo, and it would benefit UNICEF. So with her work on what I honestly think is possibly the most iconic Disney ride, my opinion, It's a Small World moves forward with the, uh, the colorful, modern style that Mary is best known for. Now, and if you, think, if you look at her artwork, she does have that style. And a lot of her artwork was like beginning artwork, but the final product never looked like that. No. Her work she did, she did on Ichabod and Mr. Toad. Her work she did for Cinderella. The final artwork never looked like that. The colors did, but the artwork never looked like anything she put together. I want to really... say, if you look at the, the one in Disneyland, 
that feels more like a Mary Blair thing to me than the one in Disney World. I think you're right. I mean, they, they're, they're similar, but they're different. And I get that you got two different parks you want to try to make, make, but so it's like the first, Disneyland was designed by Mary Blair. Disney World the copy. was designed to be inspired by Mary Blair's design <laughs> in Disneyland. It, so, it, are, we, are, are we talking about like that, that the LaCroix water where it was inspired by the fruit, grapefruit? Yes. Yeah. It was. It was. It, it was bottled next to a single grapefruit that someone yes. had put in a specific location in the factory, with a fan blowing on it. Exactly. Exactly. And just screamed the word grapefruit at each can that went down the line. Um. So yeah. But re- really, the one of the few places, few but not only, that you can see some of her actual artwork, Disney property that still looks the way it should have is. Small World in Disneyland, which I, I, I would, I think I would like that better than Small World in Disney World, just because it is it is kind of an indoor outdoor kind of thing, which seems stupid for me to rate it by, but I like that kind of vibe it's got going. I don't know. That's just that's just me. Now I gotta find my notes. The whole attraction in Disneyland is better. I enjoyed the attraction a lot better in Disneyland as well, and it has Disney characters hidden in it. It does not so much, much hidden. to the sugar. Not hidden. They're Not like... hidden. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> Much to the chagrin of the purists. No, but I mean, I get why they did it, but it doesn't take away from it. it. It's not like screaming in your face loud. Now, she stayed on there in with, with Disney Parks a little bit as an artist for Disney, and she created murals in Disneyland's Tomorrowland. In 1967, she's credited, uh, and this, this isn't with Disney, but um, she has a live-action film credit as a color designer for the film adaptation of Broadway's How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying. I did some Googling and looked up some of those scenes, and the bold use of color, it just screams Mary Blair. Like, it just looks it, it looks beautiful because everything is just such a contrast and, 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 and out there. It's great. Um, it's, it's so good. The colors almost look like they're characters in the film they're extras in the back in the background anyway she did that she also designed uh the other piece of her artwork on disney property that you can actually still find is the 90 foot tall tile mosaic at the grand canyon concourse in the contemporary Mm. resort in disney world and even after this she continued to create artwork for walt disney uh, by by doing note cards that hallmark was printing and, and, and packaging and selling which, after the illustrious career when you're doing note cards, that's just kind of like the Splash Mountain figured out. I don't think so. I mean, no. when you think about it, it, it's not... She could probably pound them out, or as few or as many as she wanted to. And if the mood struck her, I mean, you, you gotta look at it that way as well. She was still making money off of it. She was, and working for Disney via Hallmark. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just... That just seems like you've done all of this, okay? You you oh. basically did the entire design for Disney's flagship uh, uh, attraction that, you know, was done at the World's Fair. Now it's in Disneyland, Disney World. It's overseas. I mean, it's a small world after all. Well, her career had to be winding down at this point <laughs> anyway, so she probably yeah, retired. Oh, I mean, yeah, and... we're talking... Yeah, this, this, is, this is in the 70s and 80s, and 
she did pass away in her and her husband Lee's Silkwell, California home in 78. Um, Lee actually spent the rest of his time there uh, in California. He painted and he sailed until he passed away in 93. Damn, he, he went to 93. Good on you, Lee. Fun fact, though, uh, for uh, Mary Blair, and on October 21st, let's try that again. October 21st, 2011, uh, Google actually posted a doodle honoring mm. her 100th birthday. I remember that. Yeah. It's in a, a, a you know, it's, it's kind of got this modern and colorful style similar to what, you know what? It's as close to Mary Blair's artwork as Disney World's. Uh, it's a small world is to Disneyland's it's a small world and I'll, I'll drop a link to that little Google Doodle um, in the group but I, not in I, the show notes no, no there's no <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not going to put it in the show notes I want to keep everybody guessing it's a she had like I said it was an off again on again relationship with the Disney Corporation and there are gaps, and I really feel like there's probably some really awesome stories, not or, or private <clears throat> stories, that leads to those gaps. Uh, but she she just kept coming back because Walt is so polarizing, and when he wants something, he gets it. Mary Poppins, he will work at it until he finds the angle it takes to get it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Mary Blair, husband of Lee Blair. Sister-in-law to animator Preston Blair, thank you for your your time spent at Disney World. So, uh, Tim, who, who have you got? Who in the, are you talking about? Well, people know her as Madame Leota, and she was Leota Toombs Thomas. She was born Leota Ann Wharton in Glendale, California, on August 9, 1925. She started her career at Walt Disney Studios in the ink and part department where she later transferred to the animation department. That's where she met animator Harvey Toombs and married him, and in 1947, she left Disney to raise their two children. So let me interject. Every one of our ladies from Disney is married <laughs> the, the, the to somebody else from Disney. Disney. Person from, fair enough. Okay. She would, that makes it a commune, I think, is what that makes it. It makes it something. <laughs> She returned to Disney in 1962, joining WED Enterprises, which is now known as Walt Disney Imagineering. And while at WED, she played a pivotal role in the creation and development of Disney's 1964-65 World's Fair attractions, It's a Small World, Great Moments with Mr. Lincoln, and Ford's Skyway. After the World's Fair, she began work on Pirates of the Caribbean and the Haunted Mansion and Country Bears Jamboree for Disneyland Park with Harriet Burns, Joyce Carlson, and Glendra Von Kessel. So, this was taken from her daughter Kim, and she recalls that Yale Gracie was experimenting with ideas for a gypsy in a crystal ball. He asked Leota if she would mind posing for the head, and she remembers they were a close-knit group, and Mom said she thought it sounded fun, so Blaine Gibson made a life mask of her face, and Yale, Walter Rogers, and the rest of the team filmed her, crazy makeup and all, and she wore it home that night. <laughs> so then, yeah, that's awesome. from then, they created the little Yoda bride at the end of the ride. So since that figure is so small, they wanted a really high voice, so that is actually Yoda's real voice. 
in the miniature, they didn't high pitch it or anything. That's her real voice. That's so funny because whenever I see her face from Haunted Mansion, I can only hear it as Maleficent. But I can't imagine that tiny vo- hurry back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can't imagine yeah. that tiny voice coming from that same face. As the, no. the soft-spoken Imagineer remembers, after making her debut at the attraction, which opened in Disneyland in 1969, she was told her eyes were the right distance apart to fit the test model, and that's where it all began. <laughs> There's a lot of that stuff that goes on throughout all of Disney, mm-hmm. though. Like, even in the movies where it's like, you, you look at what happens at Pixar where they have ideas with voices and it ends up being the director's voice in something mm-hmm. as a character. Like Brad, Brad Bird? Old yeah. time? I think that was the director's voice. Yeah, yeah, it was, wasn't it? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Woohoo! So, in 1979, Lee came to work at the WDI Show Quality Service Department at Disneyland, where she trained many of the artisans and designers in the staff, paint, and sign shop. She had worked with the original art directors like Mark Davis, Mary Blair, and John Hench, and could teach the new engineers about their styles and the nuances that made the scenes and characters work. One of those young Imagineers was her very own daughter, Kim Irvine, who started in the model shop and would later become art director for Disneyland. Now this is a quote from Kim who says, It was a unique situation to be trained by your mom. She was a wonderful teacher and friend. Anyone who knew her loved her, and many engineers owed so much of their success to her for passing on the tribal knowledge that is so important to our product. She also adds that when Tim Burton's The Nightmare Before Christmas overlay was created for the Haunted Mansion, Imagineers wanted a new incantation, and they asked Kim if she would do it. The funny thing is, they discovered that our life masks are so similar they could just project her face on my head and match it up perfectly. So your mom would have loved that. Only if she went home with the... I'm sure she did. <laughs> I'm sure she, she went home with it, just like your mom did. She, Lee, who passed away in 1991, always laughed that out of all the things that she had designed and created in her career, the one thing she is best known for is Madame Leota. She was... But I am grateful as I walk through New Orleans Square in the early hours of the morning, I can hear that sweet little voice of hers echoing hurry back. She would have liked that. Leota became a Disney legend with the class of 2009, and she is immortalized with an animatronic tombstone at Walt Disney World's Horton Mansion that reads, Dear Sweet Leota, beloved by all in regions beyond now, but having a ball. And she pretty much worked for Disney up until the very end, up until she passed away in 91. Really, she is like... She, I mean, she is the face of Haunted Mansion. She is, I mean, when you think Madame Leota, it's just, it was named after her. You just automatically know who, everybody knows who Madame Leota is they if you're any kind of Disney fan. They don't know that she was an Imagineer. They don't know what she True. contributed to other things into the, in the park and in the company other than that. They just know her as she has this very stern, cold, green face that's being projected into this crystal ball. Talking about serpents and spiders and tails of a rat. Calling the spirits wherever they're at. (laughs) (laughs) From one of the the pages that I read that was... uh, Also, I think her, her legacy lives on because her daughter Kim married to another Disney Imagineer. Yep. Not not to stop the trend or anything. <laughs> no. 
And if you watch the Disney, you know, the Imagineer story, Imagineering story, then then you see several interviews with Kim. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she talks about her mom and, and stuff like that. So it's, uh, yeah, Kim's husband is, is, he's a dick. Dick Irvine. Is his name? Cricket. 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 Sorry. Don't know him personally. Here he's a nice guy. I, I will probably actually put crickets in for this one. I never do crickets. I will find a sound effect for this episode. But you actually had a button hotkeyed to crickets on your keyboard. No, I. No, it. Tim, it doesn't work that way because I don't have the computer audio out going. It's a thing. No, Tim, I don't have a <laughs> soundboard set up to just do crickets. I think without these ladies, first off, Disney would be naked. And you wouldn't have well, Haunted Mansion. I mean, it wouldn't be the same as, as we think of it now. Yes, they would have found someone else to be the floating head. But there's a reason it's still Leota Tombs, and it's not because it's easier just to keep using the same footage. Be- because it's, 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 it's right. Yeah. Well, it's well, tribute. I mean, it's, it's tribute, but also because th- this... This is the this, this is this the perfect is, one. Yeah, <laughs> this is Madame Leota. You cannot have any other. Even though the main voice is not her voice. No, no, they merely nearly, nearly that. Oh Jesus! With I and don't remember was, the actress that voice is Maleficent. Uh, something that's who it was. Bl- Blakesley. Your name was Suzanne Blakesley. Is the voice N- of the main you didn't Leota? Use the seance. A Ouija. Tales you didn't try to awaken the spirits with your tambourine. I did. I don't. I, you know what? I don't have a tambourine. <laughs> I don't think anybody owns a tambourine. tambourine. They just show up at. They just show up, right? You go to a music <laughs> store and they sneak them in your bag when you leave. Yeah. That in the triangle. Well, they show up at hippie parties. <laughs> it's like I, I can't. I could. I can't go somewhere and buy a hacky sack. But I, I guarantee you, if I find a bonfire and an acoustic guitar, someone's got a hacky sack, and I'll play. Yeah, I was Badly. big into hacky sack in the early nineties. I'm I'm the guy. Oh, I'll kick it when you kick it to me, but ain't nobody got a chance of getting it once it comes <laughs> off my heel. I think I've got a few of them around the house somewhere still. I found uh, this is neither here nor there, but whatever. Um, huh? When I was in high school, we played every day at lunch, and actually, and, and this is going back to 1994, 95, 96. Koosh balls make damn good hacky sacks. Yeah, we'd play if, with the Koosh Ball if we didn't. If, if, if you remember without. the Koosh Ball. Yep. <laughs> that was just a rubber band. Okay. Someone in the group is going to come in with more information about one of these Imagineers. I'm going to say Stephen Cohen. Listen, I checked multiple pages of the Google, and there's not much I mean, on the Oda Tombs. Alice Davis only worked for the company for about 15 years total. Yeah. It, so... And, and you know that, that you know all of these uh, Imagineers, whether it's the, the first three we talked about or these ladies here, were in some way or another involved directly or indirectly right. with, you know, probably 10 other different projects going on. You know, they, it's like it, it, the Imagine the WED was just this think tank that actually produced results. 
I guess is the best way to put it. They didn't just think up the ideas. They actually produced the... Re- because how many of these Imagineers are like, I have an idea. Let's do this. And Walt says, okay, do that. He's like, uh, okay. And then, he, and then they do the thing. <laughs> well, you have to understand also that we all... They were all married to other Imagineers. So there's nothing saying they didn't go home at night and bounced ideas off of each other. Well, is that what they were doing? That's what they call it. Hmm. <laughs> Well, also, too, like, back then, they didn't... The Imagineers weren't as famous. I guess maybe it's, maybe that's not the right word, but they're not, they weren't as out there in the public as they are now. Like, there wasn't a Joe Rody back then. Literally, I, but he's, like, the only name-brand Imagineer that I can think of now. And I watched the Imagineering story, and the one guy in the Hawaiian shirt kept popping up, but I don't know who the hell he was. And he went to, like, Japan or something. Well, I mean, he did go to Japan, and he did, had a lot to do in Japan. Yeah, but, but I don't know who he Rudy is. is the face of, of, of an the entire park. <laughs> yeah, but no, but he's the face. He has a personality. I mean, when you think about it... He, he's the one who's giving the interviews regard, regarding stuff. He's the one who's always heralded his projects and supported his projects 100%. So, it, it's a little different. Pandora must have been so tough for him to get up there and, and really say, and really support this thing that so many people were thinking, I don't know. He's like, no, really, it's going to be great. Well, I mean, he is the head of Imagineering. Mm-hmm. Could you imagine if they had, like, Instagram or Twitter with the original Imagineers for Disney? Right. I don't think Disney would have ended I, up being Disney if we had Instagram I don't Twitter, think. I don't know if Walt would have wanted them on Twitter or Instagram. I don't know. I, I just think it'd be so funny to see these pictures from the attractions in their infancy. You know? I guess we can wrap up this trio of... Uh, of, of, of ladies that worked for WED slash Disney Imagineering as things moved forward and and, and their, their careers there. I mean, it seems like with, as is the case, if the husband works there, somehow the wife ends up following suit. Or and the you wife, have all, or they meet. Or they, or they meet. meet, yes. And there. you have like-minded people uh, that are creative and they, you know, they just they just build something together for Disney and for you know themselves, and it it's it just it almost seems poetic, but I, far be it for me to try to romanticize a damn thing. So I just want to say, damn you, Disney, for actually uh, getting the exact right people you needed to build Disneyland and get Walt Disney Animation going and give us all this fun stuff we have today. That's what it comes down to, is, is these early people, it, it's built on their shoulders. And, and I mean, their shoulders, and some of them carried it, firemen carry. I mean, they just, they just hauled it when you got Imagineers, for instance, like I think last episode 164, we talked about Bob Gurr, who's still kicking mm. and shooting hoops, dropping buckets. I don't know if he's doing that so much anymore. It's Pass me like the rock, Bob. Meet and greets and 
his sighting Matterhorn stuff. Yeah. I was gonna, yeah, that's not even a Matterhorn. That's just a. <laughs> I know. It's, it's, a, it's so weird. That's a science experiment volcano that's I, missing mm -hmm. baking soda. I, I wanted one until I saw what it looked like. I'm like, oh no, sorry, Bob. Yeah. Now, but, if you would if you would have did monorail models. Well, even if it, if the Matterhorn would have had the coaster, the, the the train, and a track. Yeah. Then it just looks like I the real Matterhorn Mountain. But it's, it's, yeah. But hey, Bob, I'm yeah. still saying it. If you want to come on the show, just just yeah. reach out to any of us. I'll, I'll, I'll even, um, I'm not going to turn down him signing my monorail. <laughs> you have two. I have two, a blue and a red, yes. Yes, that that's when one becomes mine. <laughs> Bob, you don't, you listen. don't collect as I do. 407-906-4698 Give me a call Give us a call Give us a call <laughs> It rings to my phone though <laughs> Sorry I don't answer it so it's okay I was just going to say you never answer it You don't answer the text messages either so. <laughs> The only times I answer it It's always been Carly and it's been a butt dial <laughs> Every time I've answered it It says Carly I'm like I'll talk to Carly And she's not there it's not there well, what I mean uh, of the of the three ladies, I mean, if you were going to rank them one, two, three, as far as Disney and a legendary, Adam, you're shaking your head. You can't do it. Well, it's just it's not right. Because They're all important for totally different reasons. It, yeah, <laughs> and, and that that's that's the point I, I was I was thinking of is like you know they've they they've all done so much on their own for the company, and it's not been the same thing. Not even, not even close. Alice. Did did you know costuming? Uh, costuming, and without her, Sleeping Beauty would. I mean, it still probably look okay, but she's the one they tapped to see how a sheer fabric flowed during well, a dance. She made the dress for the dance. Yeah. Now, uh, stupid question: that is that the same dress that you see at Disney World when you're walking around Princess Couture area back there, or probably not? Probably not. I would assume not. Okay. Well, it's just it was just a test dress, so it wasn't even like a full costume dress. It was just like kind of like a shift, where she they could see how it would flow and the movements it would make. So they when they did the pencils, and when they actually started drawing it and have pictures of it to see what would that look like when they animate it. And she says to Mark, "I like the way you hold a pencil." No diggity. That's smush. <laughs> But yeah, so Alice is making uh, costumes. Leota is doing Leota things. <laughs> well, she started in the ink and paint shop, and then she moved to animation. And then when she went to... She, she's, she's doing art, and then someone says, Hey, this will be funny. Let me put this on your face. Well, she actually, uh, from what I, I kind of gathered from... The, research, the little bit of research that is available for her. When she went to WED, she helped design some of the skins that went on to the animatronics. Okay, so her involvement in latex goes beyond her wearing it. Like, she was already familiar with that uh, business. So it's probably a tongue-in-cheek of why she wore it home then. Okay. Gotcha. That probably gotcha. scared the shit out of her kids, though. I would have done it a hundred, a hundred times out of a hundred. I would have done oh, that. Without a doubt. And then uh, Linda Blair. Um, <laughs> no, her head didn't spin around. She didn't spit out pea soup. 
that a bit of fun on. ride. Mary Blair worked basically with with art and and concept and color. And God, her use of color is is so amazing. I gotta find a, a, a glickly if that's even a word. A giggly, a glick, Jiminy Glick of of, of one of her pieces because it, it, the, like I just need something, you know, a postcard. There's a book. She has a book called The Art of Mary Blair. There is a book, The Art and Flair of Mary Blair. So that's probably the there's a web, title. There's a fan website, yes, actually as well. And I, I didn't mention this, but when she married Lee, she got involved in the California Watercolors Association and started that, which actually helps nurture uh, artists and, and stuff like that. And, you know, that's where this huge watercolor movement kind of started from and moved forward. Uh, so, man. What do you think is harder? Building the animatronic or doing the art style, the, the finished product of, of what it's going to look like. Art style. Yeah. I think you're right. I think you're right. I think that it's probably it's more straightforward because it's you're 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 on rails basically. You can't wander from one side to the other when it comes to making an arm move three inches and articulate this direction. Like you, you're fixed in what you're going to be doing, but when it comes to the theming and the the styling and the art and, and just oh. the colors and the fabrics. So many, I mean, there, there's everything, all of that is open to your personal interpretation. Well, there's also wear and tear involved with all that, too, don't <coughs> yeah. forget. I mean, yes, there's wear and tear on mechanical parts, but there's wear and tear on fabric that's usually thinner or easier to break down in certain circumstances. So I feel like getting the materials right, getting them to look, period, even though they're not necessarily the materials that they were originally made out of, makes a huge difference as well yes the different types of uh, textiles you're using and, and stuff like that it, it you're right it, it's all, all of that goes into what these ladies uh were working on and and, and were doing and, and in one way or the other just they were thinking outside the box i mean one of them wasn't even thinking wasn't even put in the box she was putting a fishbowl an upside down fishbowl upside down fishbowl mm-hmm only your head. Just, yeah, just, just the neck up. Really, that's, no, I'm not going there. It'd be no good. It, it wouldn't be PC. It already isn't any good. <laughs> I wish her husband would have been filming with an 8mm camera when she walked in the house. With that would have been awesome. <laughs> it's either that or she went in just to scare the shit out of him oh, with all the makeup on. <laughs> Look what I did at work today. She comes Boom. in late and just lays down in bed and he rolls over and she... Looks at him and says, "Serpents and spiders." Nope. She just "Hi, honey." <laughs> he jumps up and like, ah, runs off, and she's like, "Hurry back!" <laughs> oh man, I love these. Uh, we, 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 you know what? In ten more episodes, we gotta find another three people to talk about. We got a whole list. There's a whole we do, list out and there. we just slowly we're gonna work our way forward until we get to Joe Rahodi. Let's just let's just go into uh, remarks. Let's imagineer some closer remarks. I'll go first because I have nothing poignant and I don't remember when things are happening. So <laughs> fair enough. Thanks for listening. It was a pleasure. The pleasure <laughs> is all yours. Tim, 
What have you got? Happy birthday, Tim. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I've, I've grown to like these. These have been my favorite episodes when we research and, and talk about Disney Imagineers because that's what I'm about. I'm an engineer by trade, so I cannot go on a new Disney attraction and enjoy it for the first time for what it is. I'm looking around. I'm seeing how they do shit. I'm seeing how this was done. Trying to figure out how they do this. So it takes a couple times for me to get on the ride for me to just sit back and relax and enjoy the ride. So when I can research these Imagineers and look them up and see what their contributions were to the park, that's like Christmas for me. So these have turned into some of my favorite episodes to do these deep dives into Imagineers. Um, Prince Charming's carousel, how it works, it just kind of spins and goes <laughs> up and down. I know. I don't know how carousel works. It's not very. I mean, you can build a Lego carousel. I mean, it's not. But he does have a bone to pick with Aladdin's camel. Yes. I want to hear about the bone you've got to put in Aladdin's it camel. It just keeps spinning pick. on me every time I walk by it. Oh. Not put in pick. Oh. <laughs> oh. My God. I don't. I don't go anywhere near Agrabah when I'm in Adventureland. I just I don't because I know the spitting camel thing. I'm not going to ride the flying carpets. I'm just going to sit over here eating my Dole Whip and watch people. That, that's, that's me in Adventureland. And think, I should really go in Enchanted Tiki Room. And then not. Because I've never been. Adam? Yes. Well, um, for those who had the August Sheet Up book, the event at House of Blues just started sending out their refunds today. There are a few steps if you actually purchase a ticket. Just follow the steps. You can either get a credit or a refund. I chose the refund. It takes about up to a month right now to get your refund in. So if you have that email, make sure you click on the links and follow the instructions on it. Other than that, it's been a fun episode. I had fun with everybody this past weekend hanging out. And Looking forward to seeing everybody real soon. So, that's all I got. That's all you got. Well, if if that's all you got, that's more than what I had because mine was pretty dark. So, (sighs) thank you for listening to this show. And as always, this is a goodbye. See you real soon. So, good night. Cheers. Good night. Adios. And thank you. What a fool. Really wanna puke wanna see about the fuku, I don't even wanna look or wanna see about the fuku, the fuku, the fuku, the where he took her, or if she was a hooker, or a good looker, because I'm just sick of the fuck. That was Comedy Central. That's what that was. It was a joke. Everybody, shut up!